we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core with Walker Wildman. I'm Rick Green filling in for Walker today. I'm America's Constitution Coach. You can hear me on Wobblers Live on a regular basis as well. Or you can visit PatriotAcademy.com and maybe join one of our Constitution classes. You can actually host the class in your own home or or church, or wherever you'd like as well. we got a great new one called Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. 10,000 coaches out there across the country hosting these classes at their churches and homes, getting people educated on liberty, and that's what we're going to talk about today. What does liberty look like from a biblical perspective, and how do we implement that in our homes, our neighborhoods, our community? How do we make sure that we are preserving freedom for future generations? We're at a point right now where I think people that don't often think about those things are suddenly saying, wow, man, I may not hand to my kids what my parents handed to me. They may not have the same freedoms that I enjoyed. Uh, That is a legit question to ask right now. That is a legit conversation to have around the dinner table with your family, with your friends. And uh, I think it's so important for us to all be thinking about those things. You know, silence, as Bonhoeffer said, in the face of evil, is evil itself. And so when you look around our, our nation right now and you see a lot of the things that are happening, and, and uh, without question, from a biblical perspective, you have to call them evil uh, and, and not do what uh, we're also told in the Bible. Sometimes uh, those uh, will, some people in, in power will call evil good and good evil. That can't be us, folks. We've got we've to have biblical clarity about what's going on in the world. We've got to have a biblical worldview about how to address the issues of the day. And I, I tell you, I have been doing this a long time, and I have never seen so much activity and so much interest in applying the Bible to daily life. That is a healthy, healthy thing. I, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to see this awakening that is happening in the country. For a long time, I would travel around and speak, and I'm telling you, eyes would glaze over when I get to some of these topics about the culture. Right now, man, people are coming out of the woodwork to say, what can I do? I know in my gut that what is happening in my nation is not good. I know in my gut this is not right. I know, you know, when, when, when government starts claiming to own the kids, basically, and be able to make the parental decisions about education and medical issues and all of those things, I know that's not right, but I don't know what to do about it. How do I, how do I say no to that? How do I defend my family in that situation? How do I stand up in my community and, and prevent that from happening in my neighborhood and in my community? Those are questions people are asking that haven't thought about this stuff ever <laughs> in their life. So that's good. That's very, very good. There's an awakening happening. So the first thing that's got to happen is people got to be paying attention and want to know, but then we've got to actually give them the truth. And truth is hard to find right now. There are echo chambers right now where if you are tuned into certain social media outlets or radio programs or television programs and only those programs, you only get one side. You do not get necessarily, uh, you know, countervailing, you know, arguments or, or, or both sides of, of the equation. Um, and most often you do not get truth. You only get propaganda. Uh, I have not seen it like this in my lifetime. I mean, there's always been a spin, right? Just a, a spin on the news of the, you know, based on the bias of the 
uh, of the commentator or the network or whatever it might be. Right now, though, we are experiencing pure propaganda. And when it's propaganda, it's not truth because they're willing to lie to you to get you to believe like they want or get you to follow what they want. Now, that sounds silly or crazy or, you know, conspiratorial. When I say it that way, people think, oh, this, you know, this guy's crazy. But it's happening right in front of our eyes. I mean, even two years ago, if, I, if, if I'd heard somebody else saying that, I would say, yeah, I know that happened. But that's like, you know, that's like 1930s Germany or that's, you know, the, the Soviet Union in the 50s. That's not America. That doesn't happen here. I mean, we have freedom of the press. We have competition. We have all this technology, so you can get news wherever you want, and so nobody's going to use propaganda because they know you can go elsewhere. Huh. Boy, that's what I used to think. Uh, I realize now how wrong I was. I actually thought the technology would prevent the propaganda from happening. I really did. I thought there'd be so many outlets and so many different programs and, and you know uh, uh, apps <laughs> that you could get your information from that it would prevent anyone from being able to control the narrative and use propaganda to push the nation in a particular direction or, or, or scare people into acting in a, in a certain way. Whew, boy, was I wrong. The technology itself was used to push the propaganda and control the narrative. And now there is a vast, vast number of people in America, not just in other nations, in America, that are just following the propaganda, that are absolutely in one of those echo chambers where all they get is the state-sponsored narrative and nothing else. And that's why you see so many people right now operating out of fear. That's, that's why you see people jogging outside with a mask on or driving in their car alone with a mask on. That's kind of the symbol that they have absolutely fallen for the propaganda, and they will do whatever government tells them to do, no matter how illogical, unscientific, not proven, you know, uh, harmful, frankly, uh, that it is, that they will, will follow that. And, and it's not just one or two people here and there, folks. It's most people around us. Um, and that is, is shocking to me, to be honest with you. In fact, I read an article, I guess it was, uh, well, I don't know, late last week, Scott Atlas wrote, in the blaze, and it was it was basically about his time in the White House um, as as COVID was you know spreading across the world, and all of the COVID crackdowns were uh, beginning to be implemented, and he was um, finally you know he had, he had been a I think he was a, a professor at Stanford and, and um, a research writer for uh, Hoover Institution and there, and and, and he uh, you know had basically been one of the few to come out very early and say time out whoa 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 let's slow down slow down let's not shut down Western civilization. Um, you know, let's at least make sure this thing is what we think it, you know, people are saying it's, it's going to be. And he said the data doesn't back that up. Everything in the data and the science and what we know does not justify these first ever in the history of the world non-pharmaceutical interventions, as they like to call them, um, uh, that, that are being used to literally shut down civilization. And so he eventually, as he articulated those things last summer, meaning summer of 2020, um, he was called into the White House, and, and uh, President Trump ended up hiring him to come in and try to bring some balance to the Fauci, Burks, sky is falling, the world is falling apart, we have to become absolute tyrants and control everyone's life narrative. Um, and, and he did to some extent, and, and, and was able to bring some rationality for a little while um, into, into the White House. But it was too late. Fifteen days to slow the spread had already developed into shutdown. Western civilization in 15 days to slow the spread. We now find ourselves two years nearly later um, still in this in this quagmire. By the way, just to 
end COVID. Anybody that has ever studied any science whatsoever knows you cannot do that. That's impossible. We're trying to be God. We think that we can prevent a virus from spreading at all. I mean, that's the arrogance, but it, nobody ever thought we could do that. It was all about control. So 15 days to slow the spread because we didn't want the hospitals overrun. I mean, that's how they sold this to us, right? I mean, everybody thought we're going to look like Italy did for a couple of weeks there where the hospitals are overrun and, and we thought it was going to be so bad and it never happened. It never happened. And so on one hand, you could say we, we accomplished the task. 15 days to slow the spread worked. And we slowed the spread. Hospitals weren't overrun. We didn't run out of ventilators, which actually turned out to be actually the killing machine. Uh, but but we didn't we didn't have the, the chaos that everybody thought was going to happen. And in fact, when you look at the numbers now, we find out that actually most of the people that have died from COVID have, have been at the average lifespan. In other words, they've died at about the time they were going to die. They had comorbidities that that were uh, you know killing them and probably going to kill them within six months of the time they died with COVID. And then there are the exceptions. And there aren't exceptions. I, I realize there's, you know, some, there's a very, 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 very small percentage of people who have died from COVID that, you know, uh, wouldn't have died in, in, in the next year. Might have lived another 20 years or whatever it might be. Of course, and that happens every year with influenza and with, guess what, car crashes and, and baseball bats. And, I mean, that's the problem with this whole thing is we've kind of bought this lie that, oh, if we just follow everything the government says, we'll never die. You know, we, we, we'll, we won't die from COVID, and therefore we won't die. I mean, it's, it's just silly. We've absolutely bought the propaganda. So that was a long way. Let me get come back full circle to the propaganda machine and finding truth and speaking truth and standing for truth. So with the propaganda machine so strong and with the echo chambers uh, so uh, protected, I guess is the only way I know to say it, where, 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 where they prevent you from hearing any other information, that puts the burden on us. We have to be willing uh, to, to be hungry, to, to want knowledge, to study, and then to be wise with that knowledge. And that's why I think it's so important to, to listen uh, to American Family Radio. It's so important to uh, get good sources on your information. It's so important to be in the Bible every day and get God's wisdom. It's so important to, to seek out good teachers and preachers and, and, and others and, and, and people in our own lives that we can just literally sit around the the fireplace at home and discuss these things or sit around the dinner table and discuss these things. That's kind of a lost art. The idea of having that discourse so that you sharpen each other's iron so that you really kind of, you kind of question the narratives. You know, you, you say, wait a minute, let's, let's just stop for a second and talk about what the government's asking us to do. They, they've given us a, 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 a vaccine that they said would, would solve everything and that we wouldn't have to wear masks anymore and everything could get back to normal. But Vaccine's been out for nearly a year now, and, and actually we're still having to wear masks. It's still not back to normal. And, in fact, they're talking about shutting everything down again. And, 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 and wow, the data that just came out from Harvard last couple of days shows that, that wherever you have the highest vaccination rates, you have the highest cases of COVID happening as well. That, that's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, if, if we're vaccine supposed to solve everything, and yet where we use the vaccine the most, we actually have more COVID cases. That's doesn't add up. I thought you'd have fewer COVID. It just seems like if you've got everybody vaccinated and the vaccine's going to solve everything, then you wouldn't have much COVID there anymore, would you? But no, instead, it's still spreading and where they're the most highly vaccinated. In fact, we have more people now, apparently, with the data coming out in the last couple of weeks, dying from COVID that were vaccinated than those who die from COVID that weren't vaccinated. So I just don't see how that adds up. So those are the kind of things I think you just got to start thinking through 
and having conversations about so that we can make rational decisions and not just follow the narrative. Um, I, I, I got to say, one you know, one other piece of news as I'm kind of rambling through these things right now um, that that just saw this week. In addition to this this study from Harvard with regard to the COVID thing, murders have spiked to an all time high. I think it's twelve different cities. Yeah, twelve, uh, twelve or thirteen cities where they have more homicides than ever in 2021. Now, all of these cities are Democrat run, so these are blue cities where they have implemented, to some degree, defund the police, jailbreak, you know, let everybody out of jail because of COVID, uh, you know, no, forget bail, don't worry about bail, we arrest you for whatever, we're going to go ahead and, and let you out uh, no matter what. Um, maybe, maybe those things have led to higher crime, higher harm. Not, not maybe, I shouldn't even use the word maybe. The data's right there. I'm looking at the articles, I'm looking at the studies showing that without question, there is more crime and more murder because these blue cities have implemented ridiculous, anti-biblical, anti-common sense, anti-principles of liberty policies, policies that are implemented by the DAs, so these district attorneys are not prosecuting uh, you know, these crimes that they should be prosecuting. The legislature has passed policies to, to say, no, you know, bail, ah, no problem, we'll just let you out regardless. Um, and then defunding the police, these city councils that actually are, you know, trying to bow to Black Lives Matters and say, okay, we don't like the police anymore. We're going to defund the police, have fewer police programs, and then we're shocked that murder and crime goes up. So all of this ranting I'm doing here in the first few minutes of the program today to say there are actions we can take that produce bad results. There are actions we can take that produce good results. And the Bible tells us which actions to take. History shows us which actions to take. And if we'll follow those principles, we can get good results. But we got to know what the principles are, and that's what we're talking about today at AFA at the Core. We're going to take a break. we come back from the break, hope you'll call in, 888-589-8840, with your comments or questions. Be glad to visit with you. 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. We'll be back in a moment with AFA at the Core. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Apostle Paul penned his second epistle to Timothy, now an elder in the church at Ephesus, in about 64 or 65 AD, while imprisoned in Rome, awaiting his imminent execution under Nero. In warning Timothy about the coming perilous times, marked by the increased anti-Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in 64 AD, Paul directed Timothy to his speech and his feet. In speech, Paul gave Timothy priceless biblical instruction. In feet, Paul left Timothy a legacy of lifestyle. Christ's following demands consistency between speech and feet. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. 
Is your daughter getting caught up in the commercial side of Christmas? It's easy to get wrapped up in the balsam-scented sparkle of it all, but we know there is so much more to the season than the glitter and the presents. Christmas is about the Savior. We've heard it said in so many different ways. Jesus is the reason for the season and keep Christ in Christmas. These clever sayings are great reminders, but for some, it can be difficult to get out of the rut of a self-centered holiday. This holiday season, read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15 with your family. Ask how your family can share your blessings with others. Come up with tangible ways to keep Jesus at the center of your holiday and create a Christmas bucket list. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. Double. It really is remarkable. There's more than 400,000 members now who have shared more than $4 billion in medical bills, so they can handle your bills too. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th, they'll waive your new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. I'll give you the number here in a second, but call and you'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline, December 15th. So call now and you'll save even more. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, filling in for Walker Wildman today. You can call in and be a part of the program at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Look forward to talking to you. Lots going on in the world this week. Of course, we've got the whole Ukraine situation and Russia and you know, uh, have the, had the little phone call between uh, President Biden and Putin. Um, you know, I think we're all pretty aware that President Biden's not there mentally, so it makes us all a little nervous when we have, you know, an, uh, an uptick in uh, international crises and, and the potential of, uh, of of something like what could happen in, in the Ukraine. Um, you know, uh, not only partially joking, but um, you know, send Hunter Biden over there. He apparently has uh, Ukraine all figured out and did pretty well at least making a bunch of money. Uh, over there, just kidding. Uh, but uh, hey, I'm I am a little nervous about what's happening now. I don't think we should let it distract us from the real crisis here in America, which is the border uh, and our own situation here. Um, but uh, they, you might keep an eye out on that. They may try to bring more attention to the Ukraine situation in order to not have to talk about what's going on over here. One more news items, uh, news item, and then we will hit the phones. Uh, it looks like uh, Jesse Smollett is convicted of of a race hoax. So once again, trying to stir up hatred between us as American, uh, that is the Marxist way. Um, this one was an attempt to make it look like there was an attack on uh, on this actor uh, because he was black and homosexual. And of course, President Biden and Kamala Harris and everybody else came to his defense and talked about how evil America is and how awful it is that these things happen. And turns out it never happened. He actually paid some guys to beat him up so that it would look like it happened. And Anyway, he was uh, convicted on on all of that. So um, 
you know, interesting, interesting scenario there. Just want to say, Jesse, hey, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. Okay, Janet in Texas is our uh, is our first phone call. Janet, how you doing? What part of Texas you calling in from? Janet, you with us? And I may not be able to hear you. All right, guys. I don't. Oh, there she is. Hey, Janet, you how you me? doing today? I hear you <laughs> okay. now. I'm from the Texas Panhandle. I have a question. That you might answer this question. Oh no! Wait, like, no. You say Panhandle. I got to know. So is this like Amarillo? Is this what, near, what part of? Yeah, uh, I'm near Amarillo. Okay. Yeah, what town? I am. Uh, well, I'm in the area of Amarillo. I never give my vicinity. Oh, oh no, no. no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. Amarillo. I wasn't pushing for that. <laughs> I apologize. I just like small no. towns in Texas. I'm always curious where where folks I are coming know. from. I hadn't been to all yeah, of them, I but I, I'm like, trying. I used to live in Amarillo, but I live near gotcha. in the vicinity of Amarillo, out in gotcha. the outskirts of Amarillo. You know, out outskirts. All right. Okay, this is the deal. I need you to answer a Texas history question. Can you do that? Oh no, I'm I'm gonna try my best. I feel like I'm back in school and I'm about to take a test, and and my my entire like college application depends on the answer and whether I know it or not. I'm wait, I'm getting nervous. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, Go, Jen. Okay, okay. This is the deal. You know, Six Flags over Texas. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. When did those? Those countries, those flags that represent, when did that end the jurisdiction or whatever the say-so over Texas? When did that end? Uh, so, all right, so the last time uh, that we had any other flag other than the United States flag would have been 1845 when we became uh, a part of the of the Union, right? So once we became part of the United States, now now we still, of course, fly our Lone Star flag, our, our independent uh, Republic of Texas flag, though we do have to, you know, fly it at the same height, not higher. We're the only ones that can't, we don't have to fly it lower. Uh, but as far as the other states, so let's see the dates on when we were no longer under, uh, say, the Mexican flag or the Spanish flag. I don't know the answer to that question. And you know what, Janet, you know what's really embarrassing about this? My wife and I are working on a Texas history curriculum. I should know the answer to this. If my wife were on the line, do I get a phone a friend? Do I get to phone a friend before I lose? Can I, I can I call my I, I can't get a hold of her anyway, so it wouldn't help. Okay, I I just wanted to know because I'm taking a stand for the Lord and our nation, and I like accuracy when I speak. Ah. Uh, I want to make sure. That are I you have speaking on the six info. flags? And you're a smart man, huh? Are you going to be speaking on the six flags? No, I'm that... I'm out there. I'm taking a real stand for the Lord and for our nation. That yeah. also here in Texas, there stands we also need to to protect and honor our Texas right. flag, the truth of our Texas history. Why it should be the U.S. flag and the Texas flag. We are uh, yeah. in that U.S. flag, Texas, in the purity of the truth of why we are the state of Texas needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. That so not not flying flag. not flying like the the French for the France. You know, we were under France, we were under Spain, the Confederate, uh, the Confederacy, and 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 Mexico. Not flying those, but flying the ones that are still pertinent, which is the Republic of Texas flag and the, and the United States flag. I, you know, I could guess it. What, there's one other date I would be able to give you because the the Texas Revolution was in 1836 when we got our independence from uh, from Mexico. So that flag would have ended that date. 
but the other was I just don't know. And then, of course, the Confederate States flag would be 1861 to 64, 65. But I don't know on Spain and France, so you're gonna ha- I'm going to have to do my homework. This is kind of like when I do a Constitution class. I always get up in front of the class and say, okay, I, you're going to stump me. You're going to ask me a question, and I'm going to have to do homework. I always have to do homework after class. The other day somebody asked on the 25th Amendment if the president uh, is, is – if the 25th is invoked by the vice president and the cabinet, and the president disagrees, and they both send their letters to Congress, and Congress has to decide it when they vote. Do they vote by state, or do they vote as – as a, a 435 body in the House, and uh, I, I haven't done my homework yet. That's one I have to do as well. Janet, great question, though, and uh, we're going to find out when we no longer flew under the Spain flag and also under the French flag, and uh, maybe I'll get that homework done before the next break. Thanks for calling in, Janet. All right, so we got the Texas flags. Uh, good question today, and I'll get to do my homework on that. By the way, if you're in Texas and you're listening today, we are working on a Texas history curriculum. It's going to be a patriotic, awesome curriculum. We, we are actually visiting places like the Alamo and the Washington on the Brazos, which for our non-Texans out there, Washington on the Brazos is where the Texas Declaration of Independence was done and where we did the Texas Constitution. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, it, 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 it's sort of like our Independence Hall. If, if you go to Philadelphia... You walk into Independence Hall, it's like stepping back in time. It is literally the cradle of liberty. It's the room where the Declaration was done, where the Constitution was done. It's actually the room where I teach the Constitution classes that we have, our Biblical Citizenship Constitution class, our, our Constitutional Defense of Your Family, all that that, that that we teach, I do it in that room. Well, this is the first time we've done any filming at Washington on the Brazos. And it's this little, I mean, it's just a little wooden building, not much to it at all, but it's where that history happened. Uh, for Texas. And then, of course, the Alamo. We had a great time filming at the Alamo with comedian Brad Stein. And for those of you that don't know, it all started for Texas in Gonzales, Texas. I bet there are listeners right now from every state across the country that have seen the white flag with the cannon on it, and it says, come and take it. And what is that all about, right? You wonder, what come and take what? The, the cannon? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So this was back in 1835, in October 2nd, 1835. And, and, and the Mexicans had loaned the, the folks in Gonzales a cannon to fight, the, to fight off the Indians, to, to, to protect the city of Gonzales. And when Texas started getting ornery, you know, and you could tell there was a little revolution brewing, they came and said, hey, give us back the cannon. And guess what 18 men from Gonzales said? Come and take it. It was the English version of King Leonidas saying, mono lave, which means come and take it, right? And so those 300... You know, stood against that massive tens of thousands. And in the same way, in Texas, 18 started with that stand saying, come and take it, protecting that cannon, uh, swelled to, I think if I remember right, about 145 or so that ended up defending that day. The Mexicans ultimately did get the cannon that day. Um, we ended up winning. Of course, we lost at the Alamo. We ended up winning at San Jacinto, that 18-minute battle, and uh, capturing Santa Ana. It was all over. Texas became its own republic. We were our own nation from 1836 to 1845, and then we joined the United States of America. And uh, so that's kind of the story behind being under the Texas flag. Thank you, Janet, for getting me thinking about all of that. I love Texas history. It's a, it's a unique, unique, powerful, powerful story. And by the way, Gonzalez used to be in part of my old legislative district, which is part of why I remember all that. If you ever get a chance to visit Texas, go to Gonzalez, go to the museum, and check out the cannon. You will be underwhelmed. It is, it is a little bitty cannon. There's just not much to it. In fact, if you watch Chasing American Legends, go to PatriotAcademy.com, 
you can get our, our television series called Chasing American Legends that we did about four or five years ago. We took comedian Brad Stein and Gonzalez, and we built up this whole big thing about come and take it. We stood our ground. We protected the cannon, and we walked in, and he saw the cannon, and it was definitely underwhelming. I mean, it's just a little bitty six-pounder, not much to it. Uh, but it's the principle. It's the principle. We were fighting for the principle of don't take our right of self-defense away from us. Don't take our arms. Yeah, you, we Texans are pretty pretty adamant about that. You come after our guns, we're willing to fight. I hope the federal government understands that as they rattle their sabers on all this gun control stuff that they'd like to do. And by the way, it looks like Beto O'Rourke is going to be, Robert Francis O'Rourke is going to be running for governor of Texas. Can you believe this? The guy that wants to take away your guns, literally wants to take away any gun that is a weapon of war, which... Somebody help me out here. I, I, I don't know of a gun that's not a weapon of, of war. Maybe somebody has an answer to that one. If you can think of a gun that wouldn't be considered in any way a weapon of war, uh, call in and let me know. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. If you got a question or comment about anything, including the idea of taking away all of our, quote, weapons of war. You know, actually, a weapon of war could include a knife. could include your fist. I mean, this whole phrase, weapon, I just don't get it. Second Amendment is not about particular weapons. It's about all weapons and the right to keep and bear all of those arms. Why? Because a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Why? Not just, well, not at all for hunting. I know a lot of people think it's about hunting. It's not. I'm a hunter. I, I, I actually support constitutional amendments in every state to protect your right to hunt, but that's totally separate from the Second Amendment. The right of self-defense is about being able to, as John Adams said, resist sudden violence to protect your life and your property and your family. But it's also about, and here's the big one, keeping a tyrannical government at bay, literally preventing tyranny from happening at the government level because they know that you're armed. That's why the Founding Fathers put the Second Amendment into the United States Constitution, and Texans knew that before we were even part of the United States. So if you think about the timeline, the Second Amendment goes into the Constitution in that first uh, first Congress under the Constitution in 1789, uh, and, and that's, you know, what is that? 1789 is, uh, let's see, that's going to be about 40, no, 55 years before uh, Texas is part of the Union. And, 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 you know, 45 years before come and take it happens in Gonzales. So the Second Amendment, the concept of self-defense as, as, as enshrined in our Constitution was well known to these Texians, the, the, these people that had had moved to to this part of Mexico known as Texas uh, from from a lot of places in the United States, and you had people that were former public officials in other parts of the United States that decided Texas was where they wanted to to to, to build their life. That included guys like Sam Houston, who came you know having been in Congress and done all these other things. Uh, got Davy Crockett had been in Congress before he decided to come and fight at the Alamo and be a part of Texas. So Texans understood as as you know, being former Americans or at least in some way connected to America, they understood the right of self-defense. So when the Mexican army showed up and said, give us the cannon, those Texians at Gonzales understood, no, the right of self-defense is a law of nature. And the first law of nature says that you cannot take away. I do not give to you the government in any way, shape, or form. In fact, quote after quote from the founder says, you could not in the compact of society give up your right of self-defense, even if you want it. In other words, you could sign it away. You could be a part of the legislation. But when, when, when that wolf attacks, you're going to turn into a sheepdog, and you're going to defend your family. You're going to do everything you can to live out that right of self-defense, and that's exactly what those 18 men did in Gonzales that day when they stood with that cannon. 
and said, come and take it. I, I have to add one more Gonzalez story before we go to the break. And I know all the non-Texans are like, what is Rick doing today? Is all this Texas talk? Because this Texas history, this come and take it attitude is an American attitude. It's part of our DNA. It's who we are as Americans. And one of the coolest things that came out of Gonzales during the Texas Revolution was at the Alamo, whenever William Barrett Travis knew that they were surrounded by thousands of the Mexican army, they were outnumbered, you know, uh, I mean, what, 200 to 1? Uh, there was no way. There was no way that, that they were going to be able to... No, I'm sorry, my math was really wrong there. It was about 40 to 1 is what it was, because you had about 140 or so. Uh, well, at the time he wrote the letter, just a little over 100. Uh, Texians in the Alamo, and then and then probably about four thousand Mexicans uh, around the Alamo. <clears throat> so he sends out this letter, you know, to to Americans and lovers of liberty around the world, saying we need help. We need you to come to the Alamo. Well, the only people to answer that call were thirty-two men from guess what? Gonzales, guess where? I should say Gonzales, Texas. So so right there where it all started. Six months later, well, I guess at this point it would have been four and a half months later. They would answer the call once again and fight their way into the Alamo, knowing they were probably going to die. Some of them as young as 16 years old. Why? Because they had that come-and-take-it attitude that said, freedom is worth fighting for. Freedom is worth dying for. Freedom is something that you're willing to die for so that your kids and grandkids or your fellow, in our case, Americans or Texans or wherever you live, might live in freedom. That was the attitude of those people from Gonzales. It was the attitude of all the Texians that, that, that founded Texas. And it, frankly, is the American attitude that we need to get a hold of again. That's why I've got a shirt that actually has a needle on it that says, come and make me. <laughs> I mean, it's the same attitude. Thank you, conventionofstates.com, for making that shirt. Uh, you know, it's the same attitude. It's don't take away my freedom. If you, if, if you think I'm just going to bow, you came to the wrong place. Americans aren't snowflakes. We, we, we don't just bow to, ter- to tyranny. We don't have a warped view of Romans 13. We know Romans 13 says that we're supposed to obey the government when it's doing good. When it's doing evil, that's not a time to bow. And in fact, it's a time to remember that we are the government. So if you want to truly follow Romans 13, get involved, start voting, run for office, and that's how you can turn this country around by making a difference yourself as a citizen. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, call in and join the conversation, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, filling in for Walker Waldman here at AFA at the Core. Hannah's Heart. A half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, Mm -hmm. but this is a show that says however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. As followers of Christ, we are on mission. We're to share that gospel with people we come in contact with. Pastor Bert Harper. Bert Harper. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use you for His glory as a faithful servant. So when you come before Him, He can say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. 
Exploring Missions, Saturday afternoons at 2.30 Central and Sundays at 1 on American Family Radio. Hi, my name's Eric. And I'm Kendra. And we have been married a little over two years now. Honestly, I think the, the most challenging part of our marriage so far, we're right in the middle of it. We're trying to have kids right now. I have a spinal cord injury, so that makes things a little more difficult. And um, I just am, am dealing with some issues with infertility. The difficulty is on my end. But it's our infertility. But it is our, yeah. Because we're right. one now. <laughs> and I, I think what's really helped us through this is keeping Jesus at the center mm-hmm. of it all and knowing that anything that causes you to lean and depend on Jesus more is actually a blessing. Yes. It's heartening to, to know that I have someone who's, she's on my team. Tune into By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Where is history headed? What's the meaning of it all in the end? How is the story going to conclude? Dr. Al Mohler from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. The Bible's promise of, of what is coming is that the righteousness and justice of God will be comprehensively applied under the Lordship of Christ with everything brought under submission to Him under His feet. And it's at that point that there will be no uh, tears and, and, and no more crying. It's only at that point that the, the, the lame will leap for joy. It's only at that point that things that are now so wrong will be made right. And of course, that also comes with the promise of heaven and the very real threat of hell in people headed for either heaven or hell, every single human being who ever lived. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on AFA at the Core with Walker Wildman. I'm Rick Green filling in for Walker today. I'm America's Constitution coach. You can learn more at PatriotAcademy.com if you want to take one of our free Constitution classes. They are available there you can actually host the class as well in your home or at your church, also for free. And everybody gets to take the class for free. We even give them a digital workbook to follow along, watch the videos. We've got a lot of great folks in these classes. The Biblical Citizenship class has Kirk Cameron and Rob McCoy and Jack Hibbs and Rabbi Daniel Lappin and David Barton and Tim Barton and Congressman Barry Loudermilk and Charlie Kirk and all these other folks. So anyway, check it out at uh, PatriotAcademy.com. And I also want to quickly say thank you to American Family Association for teaming up with us at Patriot Academy. We do a youth leadership program every summer, and it's uh, in state capitals across the country. Couldn't ha- wouldn't happen, folks. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for AFA. Uh, just a great supporter of ours, and uh, just want to encourage you to check that out at patriotacademy.com as well. Those uh, those uh, programs, what we call state boot, uh, state capital boot camps, they happen um, in, in Texas, in, in uh, Arizona, in Idaho, in Florida and Delaware. We're going to be going to Indiana and possibly Colorado this year as well at the state capitol. And it's a great time for young people, 16 to 25-year-olds, to come in and be a legislator for the week and learn biblical worldview and leadership skills and all those things. So thank you to AFA for helping to make that happen. And I encourage, encourage all of you out there, if you've got a young person in your life that you think would benefit from that and enjoy that process, they don't have to love politics or even be interested in politics. It's, it, that's the environment we do it in. That's kind of the leadership laboratory. 
but it's all about helping them find their passion for what God's called them to, whether that's business or politics or education or whatever it might be. And so check that out and encourage your young people to apply. We're going to fill up in all of those uh, very quickly. So make sure they get on the website and apply as quick as possible. PatriotAcademy.com is the place to do that. All right, let's head over to the phones. We've got Steve in Oklahoma. Steve, thanks for calling in from Oklahoma, which we consider just North Texas. Hey, thank you. So uh, I was wondering if I could ask you your expert advice as a gun as you being a gun owner who talks to gun owners, if they were to become dumb enough to outlaw guns and come confiscating them, would they be unleashing something on the order of prohibition where people would start making guns that are way more dangerous and unsafe than the ones they're making in these government-approved factories? Good question, Steve. I think uh, it makes me think of what I started with at the top of the hour, where I thought the technology on on communication was going to prevent propaganda from being able to dominate and 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 force the government narrative on people like it like it's done with COVID. Uh, and the opposite became true. I thought it would prevent it. It actually helped them uh, to do that. I think kind of in in response to your question, same thing. I think technology makes it much harder for government to clamp down and prevent the use of uh, our creation and manufacture of firearms, even with a lot of the 3D printing and, and things like that, to be able uh, to make weapons to be able to, to, to defend ourselves with, I think will be a technological advantage to freedom uh, and, and prevent that kind of thing. Uh, but, but I was wrong about the communication technology. I hope I'm not wrong about this one. I, I think what they, those who want to prevent you from having firearms to defend yourself, and like I was saying earlier, that is all about that basic law of nature to, to be able to defend yourself and to prevent government, as Joseph Story, Supreme Court Justice, for many years that did most of the opinions while he was on the court and considered one of the fathers of American jurisprudence, um, as he said, it's the palladium of all other liberties, this right of self-defense, the Second Amendment. He said it's the palladium, the protector, because it offers a strong moral check against the arbitrary power, the usurpation of leaders uh, taking their power, the usurpation of, of the authority that they've been given. And so this is a vital, vital freedom. We don't have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of anything without the right to keep and bear arms. And so, Steve, you touch on a major nerve here for me because I'm adamant about protecting this, and I'm adamant about training Americans to properly handle their firearms so that we have a good sheepdog, law-abiding citizen in every Walmart, in every grocery store, in every restaurant, in every church to stop these mass murder events immediately when they start and, and, and prevent them from, from being able to walk up and down the aisle and murder for 10, 15, 20 minutes like happens a lot of times. So I'm a big advocate of this on just a local, practical level that more citizens are able to do that, and the Second Amendment is what gives you the ability. Well, God gives you the ability. The Second Amendment protects your, your right to do those things. But to your question, if they ever, and, and, and I think if, if the American government does this, it's going to be it's going to be the same way they've been chipping away at it for 50 years. They're going to do it through little changes in the law, outlawing this particular weapon or that particular weapon, or like California with the what they call high-capacity magazines. Outlaw, now, we call those regular-capacity magazines, by the way. Uh, but, but, but where they want to just chip away at your ability to arm yourself and defend yourself. Um, I think that will continue. I don't think they're foolish enough to come head-on, come straight at you and say, we're coming to knock on your door and take away your guns. That's why I think Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke, has no chance of winning governor in Texas because now people know his true colors. He's, he, you know, he, he made those comments about, you know, we're going to take away your guns um, after he had lost the Senate race 
here against uh, Ted Cruz. He almost won that race because he painted himself to be something he wasn't, and, and, and people fell for it. And so he almost won that race. So some people think he has a chance at governor. I don't think so. Because after he lost that Senate race when he was running for president is when he made the gun comments in Texas, that's a no-go. And, and so I think he'll be defeated. I, I, I don't think there's any way nationally that they're going to be able to come to your state, Steve, in Oklahoma or my state in Texas and do that. I do think there are blue states where that kind of thing will happen. They're going to do the buybacks. They're going to, they're going to move way down that road of, of Australia and other countries who have who have done these ridiculous, you know, gun confiscation and uh, laws? I think you will see that in some areas of America. Now, the Supreme Court could rule in this case that they've already heard but haven't decided. It, it, we won't get a decision till next summer. It's the um, I keep wanting to call it the Peruta case because it's so similar to the California case three years ago. But it's it's the Bruin case out of New York. Um, the Supreme Court could rule in a very favorable way to the Second Amendment that makes it very difficult for those blue states to do that. I hope that's what happens. That, that There's a good chance, based on the questioning, that that could happen. Um, and if they do that, then, then we could have a, a protection here from what you're talking about, Steve. So I hope that's what happens. We'll see. We've got uh, a long wait in my book, six months probably. We'll probably get that decision in, in June. But based on the questioning in the hearing of that Bruin case, even Roberts, and Kavanaugh, we're saying, and we kind of knew Kavanaugh was pro Second Amendment based on some prior decisions before he was on the Supreme Court. Roberts, you never know where he's going to go, uh, but his questioning was very good. I mean, it was he was basically saying, "Why are we even permitting a constitutional right? Why, why do you need a permit to live out a constitutional right? That's why we call it constitutional carry. You ought to be able to carry your weapon without a permit." Now, I'm a big big believer in training. If you're going to carry, get training. Don't be that fool that is walking around with a firearm and never been trained with it, and then you end up in a situation and you end up either hurting yourself or the gun gets taken away or you end up firing on, you know, hitting somebody that's an innocent bystander. We do these constitutional defense courses once a month, and I take about 300 people out to front site with me, and I teach the Constitution in the evenings, and they train you on how to handle your firearm, your, your, your handgun during the day, and you, I mean, even if you've never touched a gun, which about half the people that go with us never fired a firearm, uh, by the end of that five-day class, man, you are ready to defend your family. You can carry with confidence. So don't just don't just get the gun and carry, get training. It's not a good guy with a gun that stops a bad guy with a gun. It's a trained good guy with a gun that stops a bad guy with a gun. All right, sorry, I, I preached a little bit there. I, I get a little excited on this Second Amendment issue. Great question, Steve. Thank you for calling in. All right, we're going to head over to, uh, let's see, New Mexico, and it's Jerry in New Mexico. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? Much better than I deserve. Less than highly favored. Okay. I wish you guys would come and take New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> you wish we wish we could annex New Mexico into Texas, huh? <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, I have, have to question. say you Yeah, no, you go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, New Mexico is trying there's some people in New Mexico trying to pass a law where if you have your firearm taken or stolen, let's say by somebody even if it's one of your children or not one of your children, then they're going to hold you responsible for the crimes that that individual commits. Is that constitutional? I don't think so. It's kind of like somebody, you know, takes your uh, takes your keys to your car, you know, and, and, and let's say this murderer up in Wisconsin, this this mass murdering, what sh- this guy should be have terrorism charges filed against him, just like the kid that went into the school and, and, and shot at the school, uh, but they takes, takes your car and, and, and runs over six, seven, eight, ten people and kills them. Um, would we say in the same way that you're liable because it was 
was it your car? And this kind of bleeds over, Jerry, into the Michigan case with the kid and the parents being, uh, you know, prosecuted. That's a little different because they knew about it. They 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 knew, um, you know, there was something they could have done to stop it, and they chose not to. So that's kind of the common law three step process you go through to see if the parents can be held liable. And in that case, yes, I think they should be. But what you're talking about, this blanket idea, it's kind of crazy. I fought Andrew Cuomo on this 20 years ago, uh, kind of interesting, 22 years ago. He was Secretary of HUD at the time, and he was suing gun manufacturers. He's basically saying, Jerry, if you buy a gun legally that, that Smith & Wesson made legally, and, and, you, and you have it in your house legally, and some guy breaks in illegally, steals your gun illegally, and goes and commits a crime with it illegally, that it's now your fault, and it's, and it's Smith & Wesson's fault. I mean, that's about like saying that the spoon manufacturer is liable because I ate too much at Thanksgiving and gained 15 pounds. I mean, it's, it's a crazy legal theory. But they push it, and they pushed it 22 years ago. Um, I actually started a group that filed suit against those cities that were suing. I passed a law in Texas as a legislator to stop cities from suing gun manufacturers, prevented them from being able to use this crazy legal theory. And so we defeated Andrew Cuomo all those years ago on this very idea. But Joe Biden wants to bring it back. There's some states like New Mexico that want to bring it back. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a bad idea. Now, I'm all for responsibility in terms of accountability. With every right comes a responsibility. So you have a right to keep and bear arms. There's a responsibility to you know, take care of those weapons, to, to, to do your best to prevent uh, people from taking them and using them to commit a crime. But to shift the blame to you because somebody broke into your house to do it. Um, and, 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 and I'm also nervous I, I, about this whole, like, at what point are you not storing it properly? Like, who's going to decide? the proper way to store your firearm, because then you get into a tactical question. When I'm asleep at night, my gun is not in a locked safe that I have to go try to unlock should a moment, you know, should there be something happen in the middle of the night. My gun is on my nightstand ready to go, and, and, and that's the proper way to do it if you're trained. Um, and it depends on if you have kids in the house and how old they are and whether they roam around. There's a lot of factors. And I just don't think government should come in and say, got to be stored in this way. It's got to have this kind of lock on it. And if it doesn't, you're going to be liable if somebody takes and, and uses it. So it's a, it's a dangerous road to go, and it shifts the responsibility, shifts the blame from the perpetrator, the person that had evil in their heart and intended to commit a crime, and shifts that to someone who wasn't even part of the crime, did not intend for a crime to be committed, um, and so it's just bad legal theory. Very, very good call, Jerry. Thank you for calling in and asking about that. Lionel is next. In Arkansas, my birth state, I don't usually admit that publicly, you know, I can't ever run for office in Texas now, again, because I admitted I was born in Little Rock. Go Hogs, go, baby. Lionel, where are you calling in from in Arkansas? Do I still have you, Lionel? I'm going to start calling the Hogs. We'll see if Lionel comes on. Can I do Woo Pig Suey on the air? Is that allowed? Nope. We might have lost Lionel. All right. Well, so much for the hogs. They kind of, you know, I actually, we do have Tony in Texas. Okay. When the, when the Arkansas Razorbacks fail, the, the Texans will take up the slack. So Tony in Texas, how, how you doing, Tony? I might have lost Tony too, which no, would, which Tony would probably. Oh, Tony's here. Go for it, Tony. Hey, I'm, I hear I'm you. Uh, a, a sheepdog, uh, a legal gun owner, and I have called a few pigs in my life. I want to ask you a question about yes, ma'am. Um, the, the, the person 
who at the Battle of San Jacinto actually laid hands on Santa Ana and brought him to uh, Sam Houston. Do you know the person's name? Let me think. Let me think. Now, I know. I know it was after the battle, and he was, you know, he was acting like he was one of the soldiers, one of the peasants, if you will, and and all of that. But I and I and I think Sam Houston was injured and sitting over by the tree. I've seen that painting, but I don't know who the person was that actually grabbed Santa Anna. This person. You got me. Picked in a uh, 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 buckskin jacket that it, he actually took off of a Comanche Indian. Uh, I think you would do yourself a favor before you finish your book, uh, put the, you know, before you seal it. Um, Captain Jesse Billingsley. And Jesse Billingsley. During, yes, Captain Jesse Billingsley. Um, he was the leader of the uh, uh, Mina... Uh, uh, it was a militia, a little militia there in Mina. He was frustrated with uh, the pace of fortifying the Alamo and uh, was uh, getting all his men and provisions together, uh, met up with Houston about um, uh, the time Fannin was massacred, and hey Tony, I'm I'm running out of time. We're we're up at the end of end of the program. Yeah. I hear the music in my ear, so I'm gonna have to let you go. But I love it. Thank you for telling me about that. And absolutely, I'm gonna research that and include it in our he's curriculum. And I want to thank Tony for being a sheepdog with a ponytail. That's what we call the ladies that are trained and ready to carry, kind of like my daughter and my wife. And I'm glad to hear Tony is one of those sheepdogs with a ponytail as well. I encourage all of you to get training if you'd like to come with us. You can join me on one of those trips. Once a month, we head out to front site for uh, constitutional defense of your family and freedom. I'd love for you to be a part of that. Check it out at PatriotAcademy.com today. Thanks so much for listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.